Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial. For today's program, the overall theme for the year has been that we expected 2018 to be less perfect than 2017. Well, volatility has definitely been present. This year versus last, we see continued economic growth and corporate earnings, as well as some rising inflation and yields. Maybe some some of that's going on, but we're at the halfway point for 2018. And Rusty Leonard is here to give us his update on the economy and what to look for in the second half of 2018. So many people struggle with knowing what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals. And people think a financial plan is all about investing to earn a specific rate of return on their assets. Sense. Well, Frank Allen is here to my guest this morning, and he's here to give us something to share with us, some special several thought ideas on how to stay financially focused and to prepare for the unexpected. He will share some of from his own personal experiences, why financial planning is important in today's environment of change. Knowing the why that you want to have a financial roadmap, that's important. You'll want to grab a pen and paper and take some notes in the second half of the program with Frank Allen. From our Did You Know files, after nine months of a fiscal year, of the fiscal year 2018, that's ending 6.30, that's June the 30th, the USA, ready for this, has collected $1 for tax receipts for every $1 and a quarter, 1.24 cents of our, of our outlay. So we're spending more money than we're taking in. It's creating a deficit to date of $607 billion, so says the Treasury Department. Now, I can't run my household like that. I'm sure you can't either, so we'll have to see what happens. So here's my thought. I believe that change is needed. The U.S. government, according to the Treasury Department, says also they issued a report called the Nation's Financial Health. If you haven't read it, it's about 60 pages long, and I have to admit to you, I haven't read it, but I did read some excerpts from it. It describes our country's likely fiscal future if the policies that we're under right now don't change. The study concluded our government's current fiscal path, ready for this, unsustainable, and the longer the action is delayed, the greater and more drastic the changes will have to be. The total debt of the United States of America is $21.2 trillion as of last week. That's $21.2 trillion as of last week. It's up from $9.5 trillion just 10 years ago. So I guess you might say change is needed. We'll have to make a, some kind of a change for that. We'll, you know, we'll find out what Rusty thinks about that. Coming up in today's, think about this, last night's Major League Baseball. 
game, the All-Star game, Washington, D.C. The American League had won. Well, this is kind of unique. I thought it was kind of, kind of one of those things that I like to see numbers. Won 43 games. The National League had also won 43 games. Two games had ended in ties. Each league, ready for this, had scored 361 runs in the 88 All-Star games. It's no longer tied. Boy, congratulations to the American All-Stars for their sixth straight win in 10 innings. It was 8-6, to six, and it was a home run expedition with 10 homers. I mean, it was one of those uh, great, exciting games. It's the most homers in, since 1933. If you're a baseball fan, it was a great game last night. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Coming up. Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, and Frank Allen, certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, preparing for the unexpected. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Security and Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners Investment Council, Inc. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I was uh, well, I was telling you earlier that bottom line is we're looking at what the economy's doing and we're thinking about from a standpoint, if you look at the GDP as it's going through this process, you know, the we're up a little bit. We, we might see as much as a three and a half, four percent. And uh, that's the key. And so when I think about the economy and, is you know, we say, all right, it's improving. The corporate profits are, are really doing well. And so I'm going to ask this guest of mine that is a frequent guest of ours. I'm going to ask him why. Why is the stock market just kind of not getting the traction that we would like to see or would have expected to see with an economy that's improving, you know, improving somewhat? So let me welcome to the program Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. Welcome to the program, Rusty. Hey, thank you, Jim. Nice to be with you again. Well, Guy, I just tell you, I uh, was talking about the economy and, and the fact that we're seeing, you know, the, the idea that we're looking at it, you know, 2.2%. It's up from what we're thinking is the first quarter. The second quarter, it says we might even be as high as 4%. But why isn't the stock market taking the traction of the, or the lead from the economy to be doing what it should be doing or better than it's doing today? Well, frankly, part of what I think is going on is just a uh, kind of digestion of what happened last year. If you remember in 2017 and even in the January of 2018 this year, uh, the market just went up and up and up and up, and there really wasn't as many uh, justifications for it. It was anticipating what we're seeing right now. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. I think it's it's, it's just, okay, we got to calm this thing down here. we got a little ahead of ourselves. And so I, I suspect that's part of it. But, of course, there's other factors, too. Well, trade I, war. that's what I was going to ask you. What about the trade war? Yeah. Well, that, you know, people think back with the trade war to, you know, Herbert Hoover in 1929 and the Great Depression and all that kind of stuff, because there was a little bit of a trade war back then. And, and some economic historians still suggest that that is what caused, that's what lit the uh, the Great Depression. So I think there's some people who are very fearful about that and uh, maybe too fearful. It may be unjustifable, but nevertheless, it's, uh, it's something that happened in our history. 
and therefore there's some some degree of I wouldn't say panic, but it's just like you know concern and worry. And that combined with the fact that stock prices at the end of last year were quite high on a valuation basis, I think that caused a lot of people to be a little bit you know we need to get cautious here. We need to take some of our profit. You know, Rusty, when you talk about, you know, Herbert Hoover and the idea of that, and I can understand, I've read it quite, you know, you look at that, you hear a lot about that. The reality is that particular time we were to help farmers, and now we get the theme of helping workers. Is there is there a correlation? I mean, you know, I know, I know you kind of said you wouldn't think so, but there seems to be, to a lot of people, I mean, it really does tie in. I was talking just before uh, we brought you on the program that, you know, we're creating an enormous amount of debt. Uh, we're, we're not fiscally paying our bills. Or we are paying our bills. That's not true. We're not collecting the tax that we're spending. We're spending more than we're collecting. Um, is this uh, is this a, a travel down a road that is going to create many, many problems in the future? Are we, are we destined to this economic fallout? Or, or are we just making some changes that I guess that we need to make in order to make things come to a level playing field? I mean, I just I'm, that's kind of a leading question, I guess. But I'm really kind of <laughs> concerned. Well, it's because that's what we read. It's what we hear. It, you know, I, I was listening to something the other day. I read it, I think, that if you, it, you the way you get your news is the way people think about their investing. Uh, if you get it from CNN, right. you've got right. one side. If you get it from Fox, you got another side. And that, to me, is not how we invest. I really want somebody who can give us kind of the inside track, who has a tremendous amount of knowledge, explain it to us in a way that we can say, okay, I get it. I don't need to jump on CNN's bandwagon, or I don't need to jump on Fox's bandwagon. You follow me? Yeah, and I think the market is pretty good in the long run of sorting through all that and focusing on the fundamentals. But in the short run, it can do all kinds of crazy stuff. So you need to, you need to be aware uh, of that. Uh, so in the long run, what we see is that the trade, you know, what the tariffs that have been proposed in this trade war, supposed trade war uh, so far, are really not that gigantic. And they would affect our growth. They would take maybe over the next three years, they might take three-tenths of a percent off. And for instance, in China, they might take four or five-tenths of a percent off their cumulative GDP growth. Well, you know, we don't want to give that up, but it's not its not a backbreaker. It's not a recession. It's something that's going to cause a recession necessarily. Um, the debt issue, so I'm not too concerned about the trade war. And I also, let me just, I might as well take a little bit of time here to point out that I don't think uh, President Trump wants a trade war. It's just part of a negotiating strategy that he's going to say, I'm going to cause you some pain until you say uncle. And because, you know, they buy more from us than we buy from them, you know, they're more likely going to say uncle before we say uncle. So, so I don't think the trade war is going to trigger a recession or anything like that. Now, the debt issue that you brought up is a whole different one, and that one is serious. And it's you know it's not all that wonderful here in the United States of America, but it's worse overseas, and it's particularly bad in China. And so there is some concern that even a little bit of economic uh, pain in China could cause could tip some companies uh, that are highly levered into uh, default type of position, which could then start triggering an, an overall panic situation there and, and lead to some kind of meltdown. Now, we don't, you know, the United States doesn't have a lot of um, banking interconnected interconnectivity with China. So if China was to have a kind of a great recession banking collapse, uh, it would have an impact on the world for sure, but it wouldn't have an impact on our banks, which are actually very strong. So I'm pretty confident about uh, where we stand here in the U.S., uh, and I just worry about what's going on overseas. 
Well, I appreciate you talking about China's economy because that seems to lead to a lot of concerns and a lot of questions. And by the way, if you just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours, always brings us information about the economy, gives us an update, and explains it in a way that everybody can understand it. So what we're talking about is the trade wars and the and China's economy. You don't Are you concerned enough about China's economy to say to us that we— Pay attention there, or again, is it long-term, we just stay at the fundamental side of our investment portfolio? I am I am concerned. I've been concerned for a long time, as you know, from uh, us doing these conversations every quarter or so for quite a number of years. And the, the problem with the Chinese economy is that even though you know the problem's there and it's not going away, and in fact, it's getting worse, uh, because it's a, you know, the economy, the whole country is driven by you know, central government. There's still the communist aspect of it. They uh, they managed to reallocate money as needed to keep the problem from blowing up. Uh, at some point in time, one has to believe they're going to lose control of that system. They're going to run out of places where they can pluck some money from and you know, support this company or keep that company from going bankrupt or whatever. And if that ever occurs, if the problem ever gets so large that that blows up in their face, then you know, the whole world's going to face some kind of uh, economic impact from that. China, of course, would face the biggest impact, but all the Asian nations over there who do have you know, big ties with uh, China, they would also suffer more, more than we would. Uh, Europe and the U.S. would suffer less, but we would still be impacted uh, by a deflation, what we call a deflationary wave. In other words, if there's a big deflationary event where prices all get pushed down, kind of like in the Great Depression uh, in China, that would, that would impact the rest of the world as well. And so something that we do need to keep an eye on, I don't think it would be devastating to uh, the U.S., but I think it would be something where we wouldn't be able to avoid the impact altogether. That's a good point. Okay. When you talk about the overall market, as we, we started out with the economy's been doing well, improving, uh, do, and we've seen this, you know, pretty sustainable. I mean, the last couple of quarters, we've seen some corporate profits that really look I mean, really good. I mean, just ongoing. You project this and report this, and it's uh, five, you know, five points higher or something like that. It's just been very good. Is that sustainable? Are we? Is this a trend that we, since we've got this corporate mentality that things are growing, a new tax law, a, a different way of looking at things from, you know, restrictions? Is that just the corporate profits get sustainable for a long period of time? Uh, not at that level, but certainly sustainable at a decent level. Um, so the the level has been, as you pointed out, just spectacular. Right? I mean, uh, analysts raised their estimates after the tax bill was passed because that was beneficial to corporate profits, and then the corporations came in and beat those numbers by by quite a distance. In fact, eighty percent of all companies reporting in the first quarter beat their earnings estimate, which is a record. Nobody usually it's down to sixty percent territory, but eighty percent of all companies you know, just blew away their their earnings in the first quarter. So first quarter earnings were fantastic. We're coming up. We're in right in the midst of right now the second quarter earnings season. It's probably not going to be quite as good as the first quarter because that was just impossible. You know, it was like your your best quarter ever imaginable. Right. So you're, it's going to be hard to match that. But it's going to be perfectly fine. It's going to be good good corporate profits. And really, as we look out. There's no reason at this point to think that we're going to um, see anything worse. You know, as you pointed out earlier on, the economy's cooking with gas. It's it's moving forward fast, and you know, probably looking at a four percent growth number sometime before too long. In fact, so much so that the Federal Reserve is saying, "Oh, we got to raise these rates," and so interest rates have been been rising quite quickly because all of a sudden that economy that wouldn't grow at all, you know, or almost at all, barely was growing during the Obama administration. Now under Trump is you know 
taking off, starting to really starting to really motor. So they have to get interest rates back to a place where um, they're more normal and maybe even above normal at some point in time, just to keep inflation from from getting out of hand. So it's a whole different uh, equation from what you and I have been talking about all during those Obama years. We're now looking at an economy that wants to grow instead of one that wants to contract. That's right. You know, it it needed to be supported during the Obama years now. It's on its own. It's having fun. Rusty, let me ask you this, because I think so many of our listeners, they, you know, they, that what you just said, you and I may have a pretty good understanding of what that means, rising interest rate. We got to, you know, you said the Fed's got to. Re- Would you for just give that 101, you know, type of mentality for, for our listener who says, I don't understand why the Fed's got to raise interest rates. That's going to hurt the economy. Or that's going to hurt the market. I mean, why do you do that? Just leave them alone at the market. Why is there this balance? What, what would, in just a simple, easy, you know, classroom explanation for just a minute or two, why is it important sure. the Fed, right, you know, do this raising of interest rates at this particular time versus why didn't they do it five years ago? What's the difference? The difference is you just should view it as like a, a good parent dealing with a child who just wants to eat ice cream all the time. So the, you know, the economy, <laughs> you know, the, the economy would love to just eat ice cream all the time and and grow, you know, at eight hundred pounds. The the Fed is the is the supposed to be and often is the good parent that says no, you got to eat your vegetables. And so so that's basically what's going on. The economy would get, go crazy, uh, just keeping eating ice cream, getting fatter and fatter and fatter, and then finally dying. Uh, so the Fed's job is to keep it from doing that and to have it eat some vegetables and, you know, keep its weight down and, and let it run around out in the yard a little bit to burn off some of those calories it's eaten and to keep it healthy. So that's basically what, what you've got going on. And the Fed has to be the bad guy in the sense that it's uh, kind of trying to slow the growth down because if it doesn't slow the growth down, the economy grows too quickly, you have inflationary problems, all kinds of things start blowing up, and you have a much, much bigger issue further down the pike. So now I can expect someone to call me and say, hey, is the economy eating its vegetables? <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's good. Well, we talk about corporate profits. We talk about the economy. Stock seems to get all the attention. I was reading recently that the bond market, bigger, just the headline said, bigger, riskier, and more fragile than ever. So talk about the bond market. What's going on there? Yeah, it is. It is a much bigger market. Um so it's something that, uh, and again, that's why the Fed is so important, because the Fed has a kind of a more direct impact on the uh, bond market than it does on the stock market because of its ability to affect interest rates, change, you know, move them higher and lower at will, especially at the short end of the uh, interest rate spectrum. So uh, what we've seen, of course, is you've had free money for you know eight years during the uh, the Obama administration, uh, that was necessary at the beginning of that. Maybe maybe it was necessary the whole way just because of his other policies that constrained growth. You needed to support the economy. Like I said, it was something that you know, the economy was more, uh, during the Obama years, wanting to slow down, and it needed governmental support to keep it you know, at least at 2% growth, which is pretty you know, pitiful growth, really. So um, so to do that, to keep it alive, he, he you know, the Fed provided 0% interest rates for like a seven-year period of time. Well, if you've got free money, you borrow a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And if you're a, a less than uh, stellar company, uh, you know, you're not the highest-ranked company out there, you probably are going to borrow more trying to become one of the stellar companies out there. So what we've seen, if you look at the the data, the high-yield market, the junk bond market, as we call it, they've borrowed, they've about tripled their, uh, their borrowing over the course of the last 15 years or so. The Low-grade market, the triple B and above uh, junk uh, grade, that has grown like crazy. That, that's four-point-something trillion dollars of debt 
and so that part, you know, the lower grade, not the lowest grade, but the mid-grade, so to speak, bond market has just taken on a ton of extra debt. Whereas the kind of sensible big companies who are making a lot of money, they actually paid debt, debt down. They reduced their debt over the last few years. So, uh, But it's the, the weaker parties that we're concerned about that took on so much debt. And so that that has that is of concern, uh, whether or not they can can handle it. And furthermore, outside the U.S. and the emerging markets, a lot of you know weaker companies took on a lot of debt, and they took on dollar-denominated debt. So if the dollar strengthens versus their currency, say it's Indonesian debt, and the dollar goes up versus the value of the Indonesian rupiah, which is their currency, uh, then those Indonesian companies can quickly get bankrupted because they, the the amount of debt they owe increases dramatically because of the currency, not because of anything else, just because the currency values their debt can, can rise to a point where they can't pay it off. That happened in the late 90s in Indonesia when their currency went down by 80 or 90 percent, and a lot of companies went bankrupt as a result of that. So it's, a, it's another danger point out there on the debt front. So when you look at that, you would say that's a, that's a blinking yellow light to be concerned about. And yeah. I understand that. When rising interest rates take up, you know, move up, and you're paying debt, if I'm paying debt today and I'm paying it at 3% and I can meet my debt structure and I say, okay, 3% is not a problem, but at 5%, oh, I can't pay that, then eventually that's going to put the pain and I have to make a decision. I, I default or, right. you know, or I have to I have to structure something different. So that's what you're talking about. The reality is if rising right. interest rates creates the problem, the, the kind of the push-pull, that I see that. That's a great way of putting it. If you just yeah. tuned in, my guest, Rusty Leonard, a frequent guest of ours, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. Let me, one last question before we take a break, and I guess this is kind of a, are you, are you looking at stocks moving higher in the next six months, or what, what are you thinking? I mean, is this something that we're going to, uh, or is it same old, same old for the next rest half of the year? Well, you know, of course, any kind of six-month projection on the stock market is bound to be wrong, but I'll give you my <laughs> best shot at it, right? <laughs> so the, uh, the seasonality of the market is that August and September are typically the weaker months. Now, that weaker can still be up just not as much. So if you look historically, for whatever reason, there's a seasonality factor, and the summer months of August and September are the weakest two months. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. And it's also, in a, if you look at it in an election cycle basis, these, this particular year before the midterm elections is the weakest of the weakest. So we're looking at some seasonal weakness here in the next couple of months. But then after you get beyond that, things start cranking. And so I would think that you, you could have kind of a nothing much to talk about type of um, period between August and September, but when you just get to late October and move into November, December, I wouldn't be surprised if the market really starts moving much, much higher based on the uh, strong profitability that we're seeing. And the fact, valuations now don't look extended because the profits have grown so much. Well, you're it's talking about then that we're looking at the second half of the year probably pretty good. When I come back, I want to get your opinion about because it's it's you can already sense that people begin to talk about it. Are we headed to a recession? Is it is it next year? Is it the latter part of this year? When is it? So if you just tune in, Rusty Leonard, he's going to give us, I love it when I put him on the spot to give us his opinion about what he thinks <laughs> is going to happen in the future. Are we going to have a recession? Is it coming up? Well, I hope he'll give us, a, I know he will. I don't hope. I know he'll give us a straight answer. So stay with us because you're listening to Rusty Leonard. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. 
Jim Shoemaker and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we've been talking about the overall theme for the year has been kind of what we've expected. 2018 has been less ex- less perfect, you might say, than 2017, which seemed to be that perfect investment year. My grandson was uh, uh, doing quite well in the market. So, But volatility has definitely been present this year versus last. We've kind of continued to see economic growth, corporate earnings. Uh, Rusty's talked about that as lowering. You know, we don't have any rising or some slight rising inflation, but just slightly. Yields seem to be lower. We're at a halfway point in 2018, and Rusty has been describing some very, very specifics, whether the actual bond market, it's actually much larger larger than the stock market. What's some of the concerns we have there? What are the blinking lights? We've talked about trade wars. We talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of economists talk about uh, the idea of the trade war looking a whole lot to the Hoover years and the uh, that means the depression. It's kind of nice to talk about that. We don't think that's the concern. But I guess, let me, you kind of said this, and before I get into the idea behind the recession, is President Trump winning this trade war? Is he? I mean, you said it earlier. It's kind of like he's using it. He's playing his cards. We're really not doing a lot of trade negotiations. I mean, it's not a big, as big as we would like to think. So what are your thoughts? Is, is he really winning this trade war, or what do you see he's trying to do? I think he, he probably is. It uh, looks to me, the Chinese in particular, who we have the biggest uh, trade deficit with, they are, uh, seems to me they're blinking a little bit. And uh, and one of the reasons they're probably blinking is that from a stock market perspective, Trump is winning the trade war because their stock market is already down 20% plus. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the trade mm. war and the tariffs that he's imposing. Whereas our stock market is still up a little bit this year. It's not down. So if you just want to look at the uh, if you look at the two graphs of the uh, two stock markets of those two countries, you could mm-hmm. say that that's probably the easiest way to determine who's winning the trade war. And it looks like Trump's uh, winning in a big way at the moment. We'll see what how long the uh, Chinese can hold out. But like I said, they've got more on the line than we do. Uh, they're a smaller economy than we are, and they have more trade you know coming into our shores than we have going into theirs. So on balance, they lose on any kind of trade war. So we'll have to wait and see how that all all works out. But my guess is they'll come to some negotiated settlement, and then and they know what Trump's personality is like. They know that that's always trying to accomplish. Yeah, and so that's a good point, Rusty. Great happen. point. Well, let me kind of ask this. Final question, and one that everybody wants to hear about. The reality is, we know that we've under a current kind of a long-term bull market, uh, the second longest in history, current economic expansion. It's, uh, in fact, it's the longest one on record. Um, is there a recession? Here's the proverbial question everybody wants to know. Is there a recession coming? And if it's coming, when? When do you see it? Uh, the answer to the first question is yes, there is a recession coming. The answer to the second question is not tomorrow. So it's not <laughs> something you have to worry about right now. Uh, the economy is doing well. The uh, economy is expanding rapidly, you know, taking off from uh, not shrinking and not suffering. Um, there aren't tremendous imbalances in the U.S. economy. If we're going to have a recession soon, it's, more, it's not likely going to be triggered uh, from inside, although the Federal Reserve always has the power to overdo things and, you know, get stupid. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the more likely, it would, you know, something that would trigger the recession would come from outside the U.S., like one of the things that we talk about was China's debt problem. 
And that's a, you know, that's a big problem. And it's the biggest problem out there in my mind and all in the whole world. I've got to figure out a way to, to keep that from happening. But if it did blow up, like I said, I don't think it would have a huge impact on, on us. Certainly not a huge direct impact, but Deutsche Bank and the German bank stocks have all been very, very weak and hitting new lows all the time. And the Italian uh, banking system is one that is really opaque, and, and many have questioned what, what's really going on there. And if the Italian banks all of a sudden were to, um, you know, have to face reality and uh, take off, take big losses, and there'd be you know losses for um, French and German banks in that process. And with the German banks in particular already being weakened, um, it could cause a more a bigger problem out there and a, a contagion, as we like to call it. So in other words, it starts over there, but it, there's a contagious aspect to it and it would impact uh, the rest of the world. Now, again, our U.S. Our US banking system is in really good shape, uh, much, much better than it was going into 2008. So it's, I think we have the wherewithal to the standard, but I'm sure the market would freak out for a while if any of those things you know, came to fruition. They may not come to fruition. Again, something just have to keep an eye on. But if they do, that would be something that might help trigger a recession in the U.S., but I don't see anything from inside the U.S. triggering a recession. Well, I like what you said. Yes, we are going to have a recession. That's just the market. We're going, or the economy. Yeah. Reality is yeah. not tomorrow, and I think that's what everybody wants to hear, wants to understand. It's because it's uh, you're looking at it, and of course, you've been listening to Rusty Leonard. He is here every quarter to give us an economic update. Update, and I thank you so much for talking a little bit about the second half, Rusty. I know I put you on the spot. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I always enjoy having you on the program. I always enjoy being with you as well. Have a, Have great, a great week. Uh-huh. Thank you, sir. You've been listening, of course, to Talk Money, and my guest has been Rusty Leonard. He is the CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. Coming up, we're going to be talking with uh, somebody that you've had on the program before, Frank Allen. He's a registered investment advisor, certified financial planner, a frequent guest of ours. He will be talking about preparing for the unexpected. Well, what does that mean? Planning? Is that planning? Or do you get caught up in maybe thinking that financial planning is just investment planning. We'll find out more when we come back. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When Nazi Germany achieved a surprise victory over France in 1940, an alarmed President Roosevelt immediately began expanding national defense industries at a breathtaking rate, which greatly altered the face of the Mid-South. Within a year, two major defense industries were operating in Shelby County. Memphis became the U.S. 2nd Army Headquarters, where training for the half-million soldiers stationed in Tennessee was conducted. The nation's only inland naval base was established in Millington. Workers were hired wherever they could be found, and local factories were retooled for wartime production. During the war, the Ford plant was used to make airplane engines, Quaker Oats manufactured synthetic rubber, and Firestone produced rubber life rafts. Of the 40,000 men and women from Shelby County who served in our armed forces during World War II, 662 were either killed or missing in action. Among those who served, African Americans from the Mid-South fought with exceptional bravery and honor and contributed in countless ways to the defeat of Germany and Japan. One African-American from Memphis who served with distinction was Captain Luke Weathers, who flew with the famed Tuskegee Airmen and shot down seven enemy planes. 
Weathers once said of Memphis before he died that this is a city that has its feet in the Mississippi, its souls in the churches, and its minds up in the blue sky with God. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I'm glad you're with us today. I thank you for listening. Um, we're going to have a guest. We've got a guest by the name of Frank Allen, and he is a frequent guest of ours. He he really talks to us about something that I think is so, so important. He's a registered investment advisor, certified financial planner, and it's it's kind of one of those subjects that if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in calling or thinking about the word financial planning or financial strategic thinking or whatever you want to call it, and we get thinking that maybe if I do a financial plan, I will be doing my investment planning. And it's all about investing. It's about, you know, getting a specific rate of return. And I I know that you think that sometimes, but Frank's here to kind of help us understand that. So Frank, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to be here. Joe, Frank, one of the, that's a big question though. I mean, you do identify with people calling a financial plan, an investment plan. And it's really, there's two different animals. Right. It's kind of a misnomer to consider, you know, a financial plan, the investments. But uh, it's often that I'll ask someone, do you have a financial plan? And they'll say, well, yeah, I've got, an, I've got a portfolio. And you say, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking. So I understand how some people come to that conclusion, but it's really not uh, giving the financial plan its full, full understanding and full weight. All right, well, then let me help with me, help us understand. If you say that a financial plan and a investment plan are two different animals when you think about that. What do you mean when you encourage your client to think about a financial plan? And there is a difference. So right. what's the describe for us the difference? Right. There is a difference. I, I look at a financial plan as kind of a roadmap. It's kind of a roadmap to lay out um, you know, what your goals are and whether you're in uh, basically, uh, you know, you're on track to achieve those goals. So that includes things like um, investment planning is one of the things, and certainly you want to include any investment plan as part of your full financial plan. But you also want to look at retirement planning. You want to look at estate planning. You want to look at protection planning. You want to look at cash reserves, make sure you have the right amount of cash in the bank. But And if you have kids, then you're going to deal with college and college planning. So there's a lot that comes into play, um, much more than just investing. You know, when you when you that was a lot. I mean, you just really backed the dump truck up and said, hey, here's there's a lot to that. Well, let me ask you this to a lot of our listeners. When you described all of that, I mean, let's go back over that list again. Let me see if I got them all right. Financial, it's investment planning, it's protection, it's tax, it's retirement, it's estate, uh, you know, all of those things. It's the college planning. I mean, all right. Did I just raise the cost of a plan because you added all that together? Is that something that, I mean, financial planning as a fee-based planner, we look at that as putting the whole package together. Now, let me, is that did it, because you put so many things into it, did I just say, I can't afford it? Well, no, I think that is a misconception that some people say or think that, hey, I don't have a million dollars in my nest egg, therefore I don't need a financial planner. And a lot of times I'll deal with people who have 
perhaps no nest egg. Maybe they have not put any money aside into a 401k. Maybe they have a pension because they've worked at a school or in a, uh, you know, in a system that creates a pension, but they don't actually have a, a 401k or any kind of nest egg. So my desire, or I'll have some of my clients say, well, I'll talk to them about talking to their kids, you know, their adult kids and helping them with a plan. Then they'll say, oh, they don't have money. You know, I say, well, do they have a job? Well, yeah, they have a job. <laughs> okay, well, then they have money coming in, right? And they have money going out. So part of my job is to help them make sense out of the money that they have coming in and going out. And then they can focus on their plan, their their goals. We're totally goal-oriented. So we're we're... Yes, investment planning is a big part of what we do. But when you're talking to a, a, a to a client about a plan, the first thing you talk about is, well, what are your assets, your liabilities, your income, your expenses, and your goals? And let's start with that. And then if there's a need for help with an investment plan, great. Then we provide it. Well, you know, you we talked about earlier that many people struggle with knowing what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals, as you talked about. And people think, as you said, a financial plan sometimes is all about investing. And, and earning a specific rate of return on the assets. But I appreciate the fact that you're going through this idea that it's more than just this idea behind uh, one part. It is an overall blanket of looking at their financial dreams and goals, and it's helping them know if they're on track. I guess that's what you're talking about is it gives you a, a kind of a benchmark. So in your practice, when someone is trying to do a plan, you're looking at where they want to be on, as you call it, a roadmap. They're taking a trip, a financial trip. They got this roadmap. They're headed that direction. So you're saying simply that what you're doing with the plan is not just looking at their investments, but their overall plan to get to where they're trying to reach a point of destiny out there of 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. That's right. And they, you know, there are a lot of different ways. You know, you can set off on your way to Chicago and go a bunch of different ways, right? And is one better than the other? Maybe so. But there are a lot of different ways to get to your end goal. So that's part of what we do. There's not any one single solution that fits every single client. So you talk about the different uh, alternative ways of achieving a particular goal. And again, one goal could be, well, I want to make sure that I have proper coverage in the event that I become disabled and can't work. Another goal could be, I want to make sure that um, my kids don't have to pay for my any kind of long-term care or, or, or pay for me in a nursing home. I want to have a, a policy that covers that. Mm. So you're just thinking down the road about things that might come up that are maybe unexpected, but you, you and you hope you never have to implement a plan like when you buy some homeowner's insurance. Well, you, you have to have that, but you hope you never use it, right? And some of the things that we do are the same way. We're trying to protect people from catastrophes and disasters, and, and make sure that they can land on their feet if something like that were to ever happen. I like what you say, that you're really giving thought to the things that could significantly alter the plan. And so Correct. as they're looking at that, and I mean, a storm tears the roof off your house, that significantly offers the thought that I can't live in my house without a roof or whatever. I mean, you know, and we're using it or long-term care. I end up, and I don't have to be 90 to have need for long-term care. No. So you're looking through that process. Can you give me something of a, uh, for instance, I just kind of give you two, but I know you've got some examples of things that have happened in your life, your personal experiences that altered your plan. I mean, you we, we start at 25, we got this, here's my financial dream and goal, I'm going. But there are things, there are detours that you have to take, or there are roadblocks that just simply says, you can't go any further. 
Right. There's just no way that we're going to know everything that's going to happen to us, right? And so what we try to do is build in contingencies. And back in the year 2000, I was working at a very large company and in the city and a great company. And uh, I still am connected with, with this company in many, many ways. Uh, but I uh, had a change of, of jobs. And so I went through a change there at this company and had to pick up and and basically find another job in another industry doing something totally different, which is what I ended up doing. But I had been 17 years with this company and left and a great company. And and they were very good to me and put my kids through college. And now I'm doing something different. For the last 17 years, I've been at Shoemaker and helping other people. And so um, that was a that was something that significantly altered my plan because I went from one salary level to a different income level. Um, my expenses changed. Uh, you know, my whole world changed at that point. Well, you talk about a different skill set, different training, and at, at an age where that just didn't easy happen. And so you're talking about there's some planning that you had done in order to allow you to do those changes. And that's really what you talk to people about, is uh, helping them understand those changes and, and how to make sure you're just. So if you just tuned in, my guest, Richard Investment Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, Frank Allen, we're going to come back in just a minute and find out really from his own personal experiences, he's just given you one, why planning is important in today's environment of change, knowing the why you want to have a financial roadmap, not just the reasons that somebody may tell you from a textbook or something, but from the heart, the personal side. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Separate from the financial plan and our role as a financial planner, we may recommend the purchase of specific investment or insurance products or accounts. These product recommendations are not part of the financial plan and you are under no obligation to follow them. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Oh, welcome back, my guest, registered investment advisor and finance certified financial planner, Frank Allen. We're talking about the kind of those questions and concerns that so many people kind of put off. I don't mean that we procrastinate, but we do procrastinate. We, we're going to do it. We're going to think about it. And yet at the same time, it's one of those things, well, it won't happen to me. It's going to happen to the neighbor across the street. So the, the title kind of today's program is Preparing for the Unexpected. And we talk about financial planning. We talk about having a financial plan. Frank talked about the fact that it would start with a protection plan. Maybe it's an investment plan. We talked about everybody seems to think financial planning is just the investment side, but it's more than that. It's tax planning. It's retirement planning. Estate planning. Helping people to understand how to get on track with their financial goals, how to achieve their financial dreams and goals, and not just getting caught up in the terminology of the word, but really sitting down with someone and, and designing something to help you achieve those financial dreams and goals that you have. So, Frank, when you talked about that personal experience of a career change, one that literally, I, I'm sure that if you had started at 25-year-old, as a 25-year-old, you wouldn't have said, hey, 25 years from now, you're going to be making a career change. It mm-hmm. wasn't in your plan. 
but you knew that planning meant that you had to plan for contingencies. Well, exactly. And and there's so many different ways to plan. And, you know, before I got into this business, um, you know, I was having my own like career planning. Right. And so um, but, uh, you know, it's it's easy to look back and see how God used every particular uh, position that I had at this large company and then before that and after that to bring me to the point where I am today and uh, put me in a position to be able to help clients and, and give them wisdom that I've learned myself. So it, it's just every step of the way I can look back because I've had people say, well, do you wish, do you have any regrets? You wish you had started this business sooner. And I think back and I say, I wouldn't have been ready sooner. Yeah, that's good. You know, it was God's perfect timing that he put me where he did, when he did, and he prepared me every step of the way. And so I, had I started before that, I probably would not have been successful in this business. You know, that's so critical that we think about that. I, I like that thought because, I mean, it's easy for us to look back and see what God was doing. When you're in the middle of it, sometimes it's not. Right. But, you know, God tells us to literally seek wise counsel and to have a plan. And, of course, he orchestrates the plan. But the reality is he puts it into our hearts and minds to put that together using wise counsel and you today are the wise counsel for a lot of people that you've guided through some of those unexpected changes in their life those catastrophes those contingencies that they didn't plan for but now i know you've had some other unexpected changes in your life talk about right. that yes i started at shoemaker in 2001 and I uh, was, you know, learning the business. I went through some substantial training and had to get licensed. And so having a great time, but also it was a scary time because going from a large company to a small company, going from a salary to a different type of compensation model, different things, it was scary. It was a scary time. And so I was really having to depend upon the Lord. And, and of course, we all, you know, should do that more, not less. Right. Not less. right. So but in 2005, um, I lost my dad. And so that was a very significant event in my life. My dad, you know, was my hero and uh, the man I looked up to the most uh, ever in my life. And so I'm uh, very proud of him and what he accomplished when he was on this earth. But when God took him home, that was just a that was hard for me. And then two years later, you know, I lost my wife and uh, she died of of brain cancer. And so that was a difficult time, too. Uh, It was a difficult time for my kids and for me. And we had a grandchild at that time. So there was some good, you know, there was some some death and some life, you know, a new life being brought in. So that was a difficult time, but it's certainly not anything that I had in my plan. Um, And so it was something that was unexpected. And I had to I had to determine, okay, where do we go next? You know, Frank, that's that's the unexpected. That's what you're talking about. And that was devastating, both the loss of your dad and your wife. And the reality being, how would you, if we were talking to a, a client, if somebody came in today and said, you know, I know I need a plan, and we talk about a plan, what do you try to guide them through? I mean, just just role play with me for just a second to help our listeners understand not to be frightened by the term planning. It is more of a roadmap. You've used that term. I've used that term. We've talked about financial dreams and goals. Help us understand what steps would you want to see a person taking to move into that part of their life? Well, you know, I've had clients come in and just say they don't really understand what a plan is. And so we begin to sit down and talk through it. And it's just trying to make sure that they understand what resources they have available to them. They have um, income coming in. 
They have cash flow going out. They are typically saving. Most of the clients that I deal with are very good savers. And most of the time, they're doing a lot of right things. And so when I ask them things like, are you putting money into your 401k? Do you have you know, protection for your family in the event that something were to happen to you? They always say yes. And then when I ask the question, well, are you on track to achieve your goals? Then I, that's when I get typically the blank stares or the, well, you know, I'm not really sure. And so sometimes it's because people haven't really looked at, well, what really are my goals? What are my goals as opposed to them just being up in their head? They might say, you know what? Uh, We haven't even talked about that as a family. So that's part of the process that I get into with clients is we begin talking with husband and wife or if if it's uh, not a a married couple, then just the individual. And um, and we say, okay, so what are your goals and what are you what are you hoping to accomplish in all these different areas um, down the road? And so let's let's put up together a plan that helps you achieve that understanding what your resources are, what you have available to you and what you can use towards those goals. And then let's see how we can reach as many of those goals as possible. Do you find that to be an easy conversation or when the light comes on, do you see it? Well, I think it's different for different people. I had one uh, gentleman come in, and uh, he was very distraught and came in and said, you know, I'm coming to see you, but I don't know why, because I really think I've got to file for bankruptcy, and this is just a waste of my time, but I'm going to come in and see you anyway. And as we began to understand what he had available to him in terms of resources, in terms of a different, um, you know, protection and, and uh, in place. Then he he began to see the light, and he said, "You know, Frank." Later, he told me he said, "I couldn't develop my own plan, but I was I can follow instructions." So once you told me what I needed to do in order to achieve my goals, I can e- implement the plan, execute it. But I didn't know how to come up with it. Well, that is so critical. People struggle knowing what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals, and sometimes it's just knowing what they are. And that's so important. I thank you, Frank, for being a part of today's program. Always bring to us an insight of how to prepare for the unexpected and how to understand the term meaning of a financial plan. Many people think they've got a financial plan. It's all about investing, but it's not. Frank's very clear with that. He's been our guest, registered investment advisor, certified financial planner. If you'd like to talk to Frank, give him a call at 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You've been listening, of course, to Talk Money. Thank you for being a part. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 